thank you that you hold all things in your hand and that you're seated upon the throne, that uh, there's not a breath that leaves our lungs or a hair that falls from our head uh, or, or anything that happens to any of your people anywhere, Lord, that you're not altogether aware of and, and in control of. And so, Father, we just come back to, to the realization of that. We put ourselves willingly under your shepherding hand, and we pray that you would be our Lord and our God. We thank you for the privilege that we still have to, to open the Word of God and to break spiritual bread and, um, and to, to discuss these things freely. We pray, Father, that you would, would just prepare us for the days that are coming, Lord, that, that though uh, we don't know the day or the hour of your return, we do know, Lord, that the, the world is hostile towards the gospel and towards the Word. And I pray, Father, that we would be equipped in every way, that we might uh, continue to shine as a city that's on a hill, that we would have foundations in our life that are uh, as the house that's built upon the rock, that it would be deep, Lord. And we pray that you would truly be our Lord, that you would help us not just to know the things that we know, but to live them, Lord. We pray that our devotion to you would be steadfast and that, that it would be all-consuming, Lord, that you would continue to uh, take more territory in our hearts and continue to separate us unto the gospel, continue to... Uh, purge the dross and those things that are unprofitable, continue to convict us of sin and, uh, and of compromise, Lord, and that you'd help us to continue to take up our cross and that you'd help us to die daily. And Lord, that we might be ambassadors, examples of Jesus Christ to this world. We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that we would have boldness to speak the word without fear, that we would have uh, love, that we would not care what people think about us or what they're going to say, but that you would just give us that loving word and uh, the loving countenance to be able to speak and, and in your name uh, give away life, Lord. And so we ask that this morning, Lord, as we're here gathered, that you would uh, not just teach us about your spirit, but that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we wouldn't just learn in our mind, but that our heart would be enlarged. And so we ask you, Father, to please bless this time. Open your word to us, Lord, and, and we ask that you would give us application. Apply it, Lord, and help us to, to see, even as we go through these texts and talk about these things, that you would help us to, to, to just have vision of how we can um, better serve you, Lord. So let these things equip us. Let them sharpen us, Lord. You said that if the axe is dull, then you need more strength. But we ask that you would sharpen our axe, Lord, that we might be precise and, uh, and, and clear that our life would have clear direction. Please, Lord, bless this time. Give us wisdom, we pray. And you knit our hearts together as men, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can open in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the dynamic trio. These three chapters, chapters 12, 13, and 14, um, concerning our topic, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for, I think this is either our fourth or fifth uh, Saturday morning that we've been talking about this subject, and we are ending where most studies begin. <laughs> 
and that is talking about these supernatural elements uh, of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of God's people. Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the main thing is always the fruit of the Holy Spirit or the purpose for the Holy Spirit. Why did God, why did Jesus say it is absolutely necessary that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come? It certainly wasn't so that we would be able to impress people with our Holy Spirit power or our giftedness or any of those outward things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. That's not why it was necessary. But rather, it's because of the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives in the secret place and the transformation that takes place making us like Jesus. That's, that's the reason. So it isn't the gifts of the Spirit that are the purpose for it, but it's the fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit within our lives. That's what's important uh, about the, the Spirit of God. And, uh, and, and I'll say it like this. I'll say that the, the paper plates down at the Open Door Mission are of greater value than the China Gallery of the Queen of England. Why? Because the paper plates down at the mission are going to be used to serve food to people, <laughs> whereas the Gallery of China, Fine China in the palace, never will. And, and the same thing kind of translates into the life of a believer when it concerns the Holy Spirit. There are some people that hold that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is simply to impress. Look at my gifts. Look at my light. Look at my talent. You know, look at how God is using my life. And it's very impressive. You know, we all know people like that. We look at their Christian life and we covet what they have. You know, but, it, but it's all outward. It's all appearance, you know. Whereas there are others that you maybe don't even recognize their gifts, but their life is making a difference. They're affecting people. And, and so the person that has the Holy Spirit and they're affecting people's lives trumps the person who's gifted or talented or shines brightly, but they're not, they're just impressive. See? And I love that my favorite, one of my favorite illustrations, and, and I, if, forgive me if you've heard me use this before, would be if, if, if I were to have you over to my house for a meal, you know, and so we invite you over and you come and you show up and, and we're all dressed so nicely and the house is clean and it smells good and, and you come inside and you sit down at the table and there in front of you is the finest china, you know, the porcelain bowls and, and it's all there with the, the shiny spotless silver there and, and you sit down and you're like, whoa, this is, this is impressive and, and, and you know, we're looking at you like, yeah, you see, you see all, this, these were all of our wedding gifts and the things that we, we've acquired. Look at all of our gifts. Look at all of our stuff, you know. You're like, wow, this is great. And then we just sit down and we start to talk. And, and an hour, two hours, three hours pass. You start to get hungry. You feel a rumble in your belly. And, 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 and you think, wow, we, we did come over for dinner. What's for dinner? Dinner? Oh, Dinner? Uh, you came to eat? Uh, oh, um, uh, oh, okay, just a minute, just a minute. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, we run into the kitchen and you hear all this commotion and all this noise, you know. And, 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 and then, you know, the, the kids run out in, into the dining room and they begin to collect all of the, the, the fine china, 
you know, and, and all the silver and put it all away back in the, in the, the what, are, what are those things called? The glass doors that you keep that stuff in. You know, and, and, it all, and it all gets put back away. And then the kids disappear back in the kitchen. And then all of a sudden you see my wife and myself, we come out of the kitchen with two fistfuls of boxed macaroni and cheese. You know, and then right there on the table in front of you, uh, no placemat, no plate, nothing would just slap it right down and be like, "Ah, right, you you came to eat, boy, you're gonna eat." Now, you you would think I'm not eating that. <laughs> you know? I'm not eating that. You you've defiled it. <laughs> you handled it with your with your skin, your hands. You know, we're 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 not touching that. You know that that kind of thing, and you would be disgusted. See, here's the thing. If you have a Christian who has the gifts of the Spirit, but no fruit, you might be impressed, but you're not edified. Whereas also, you could have a Christian that has the fruit that doesn't have gifts, and the fruit is defiled by the flesh. There's too much human influence in it. And so you need both. You need both the fruit of the Spirit, that which gives Jesus to people, but you also need the gifts of the Spirit, that which ministers it without letting it be defiled by human flesh, human influence. And so both are necessary. We've talked extensively about the fruit, the work of the Spirit within our lives. We've talked about the gifts last week, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, the gifts that the Spirit gives us. And now, as we get into these chapters, we expand upon that and we see how God operates through those gifts to give away the fruit of Jesus Christ uh, in the life uh, of people. Now, it's interesting, when you read the Old Testament and you see there pictured the high priest, who, who is a picture of Christ, you know, the Bible goes through great detail talking about how he was to be clothed. And, and every instrument and article of the high priest's garment was symbolic in some way. And, and, and part of the robe that he would wear along the fringes of the border at the bottom, there was an interesting element. There was to be all the way around the circumference of the base of his robe, there was to be a bell and a pomegranate and then a bell and a pomegranate, and a bell, and a pomegranate, and, and they, these things would go all the way around, you know, one after the other, in the total circumference of the robe, and, and what those things speak of are the combination of both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit being given as Jesus is being given away, the gifts and the fruit working together. Now, in these chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we have a perfect picture of that. Why? Here's why. Because in chapter 12, it's an expansion and a description of the gifts. Then, in chapter 14, so skip a chapter, chapter 14, it's also about the gifts. It's specifically about, you know, an explanation of two gifts, prophecy and the one that everyone wants to know about tongues and it describes those things but in the middle right between them is 1 Corinthians 13 which is the love chapter love is patient love is kind and the whole chapter is on the fruit of the spirit so you have a bell a pomegranate and a bell it's a perfect picture of how the two things work together now before we get into chapter 12 look at verse i mean chapter 13 
verse 1 real quick. And let's notice something that we cannot forget. The most important thing is this. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men, that means that I can speak eloquently and clearly in reasonable language. That's the tongues of men like I am doing right now here. Or, he says, the tongues of angels, which would speak of, you know, what we would call biblically speaking in tongues, you know. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, yet if I have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, words, whether they be in English or Greek for Paul, or in tongues, if they are not motivated and, you know, and inspiring or giving away love, then they are useless. They're, 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 they're as useless as sounding a gong. They do nothing. The gift without the fruit is dead. It's useless. Second gift, verse 2. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, yet if I have not love, I am nothing. Third, third thing, verse 3, he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. So he basically highlights in these verses every gift, and he says to have every gift and yet not have the fruit is useless. It's, it's worth absolutely nothing. So to be ornamented, to be impressive in our Christian walk, or to have people look at us on the outside and think, wow, that person's spiritual, it means how much? Nothing. Because what really matters is what only God can see, and that's the heart. Is that, is our Christian service being motivated by love? Is what is seen on the outside a reflection of what Christ is doing on the inside, or is it simply like the Pharisees, a white robe, washed flesh, an appearance of men, but a heart that's far from God? What really matters is the heart. Without love, it's all nothing. But with love, God does, does the rest. So, so, so now as we consider that now back in chapter 12 and you can read the rest of 13 uh, what if we had unlimited time or if i had the power to stop the clock we would go through these three chapters we cannot do that you know but you can <laughs> verse 1 of chapter 12 i love this chapter it's so logical it just breaks down so uh well, he says this, and the first three verses are by way of introduction to the topic. Actually, before we read it, let me lay, lay the background. First Corinthians was written in response to questions that the Corinthians had for Paul. They, they had a lot of questions about various things. Uh, they had questions about marriage. They had questions about the resurrection. They had questions about, uh, you know, sinful behavior, what's allowed and what's not. I mean, they, they had question after question after question. And so Paul, throughout this letter, just takes the topics one by one as they wrote. One of their questions was concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual things. And so that's what these three chapters are. It's Paul's answer to the question. And so he begins, verse 1, he says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, 
I would not have you ignorant. The word gifts, you'll notice, is in italics. It means it's not there in the original language. It was there to, to give clarity for trans, translation purposes. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. You know. And, and this, these three chapters are not just about spiritual gifts. They're about spiritual things. Concerning spiritual things would probably be a better translation because he doesn't deal just with gifts. He deals with gifts and fruit and, you know, the body of Christ and the role of the Spirit in it. So it's, it's a broad swath of spiritual issues that Paul is writing about. And then he says, but concerning these, I would not have you ignorant. Three times Paul uses this phrase in the New Testament, that I would not have you ignorant. One is concerning the place of Israel in God's grand plan. He says, don't be ignorant about that. Number two is concerning the rapture of the church. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about that. And number three is right here, concerning spiritual matters, Holy Spirit issues within the life of the believer and of the church. What are the three largest areas of ignorance within the church of Jesus Christ today? <laughs> the place of Israel and God's grand plan the rapture of the church, and the, the proper use and application of Holy Spirit things. How ironic, you know. Paul says, don't be ignorant about this. Don't be afraid of it. Just understand it. Light always brings clarity and peace. Verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles. You once were unsaved. You once, you, you had no part in the things of God, no interest in the things of God. He says, but yet even at that time, you were carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. And what he's speaking of is the mystical obsession that the world has with mystical things. You know, it, it, spiritual things. I remember even as an unbeliever, you know, we would play with Ouija boards and, and, and we would, you know, always be entranced by spiritist type things and psychic powers and all, all that kind of thing. And that's the idea of what he's saying is like, you know, these spiritual things can be so mystified and you were carried away with them, but they were just dumb idols then. There was nothing to it, no substance. And then he says, verse 3, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It points directly back to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, and that is that the Spirit would always glorify, magnify, and exalt Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will never draw attention to himself, nor draw the attention away from Jesus. But rather, when the Spirit is truly at work in a service, in a church, in a person's life, it will always glorify and magnify Christ. It will never draw attention to the individual. It will never be about the Holy Ghost himself. It will always be or point to or bring forth Jesus. It's all about Jesus with the Spirit. That's what Jesus taught, John 14, 15, and 16. So there's by way of introduction. Now, in verses 4 through 7, he gives some distinctions. And pay attention to this. You might, If you have a pen, you might want to circle or underline a couple of these words and just notice because he's basically giving us an outline. He's 
making distinctions here that are helping us understand. Verse 4, he says this. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. We looked at what the gifts are last week when we talked from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Seven gifts that are listed there that are, you know, what theologians or Bible scholars would call the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, uh, I'm, now I'm, I'm doing this off, my, off the cuff. If you weren't here, you know, but you could read what they are. The gift of mercy, the gift of giving, uh, you, you know, what are they? You know, you know, administrating, all, all that. All those gifts that we talked about last week, these are the gifts that he's talking about. There are diversities of gifts. And we talked last week about how everyone in the body of Christ has one or a combination of those gifts, according as God has designed them, or according to the plan that God has for them. You know, and, and so you know, we're not going to cover that again, but that's what he's talking about. He says there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And we talked about how when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, remember? It says that the room, you know, the, 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 the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it says that there were divided tongues of fire that rested upon each of them. Is that one element, one part of God's expression, God's Spirit, rested upon the believers, that there was a, divi- a dividing, a, a cleaving, and, and that everyone had a part. And so he says there are diversities of gifts, but it's from the same Spirit. It all comes from the Spirit of God. So that's the first distinction, diversities of gifts. Then in verse 5, he says this, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Now, in Side, tucked inside that word administrations there is the word ministry. Do you see it or hear it? If you're using a different translation, it doesn't use the word administration. But that's what it's speaking of. That there are differences of ministries, he says, but it's the same Lord. When you consider the work of God in the world, what Jesus called the kingdom of God, When you think about Christianity at large, there are almost countless different types of ministries or administrations. There are church ministries, there are evangelistic ministries, youth ministries, children's ministries, school ministries, campus ministries, music ministries, humanitarian ministries, missions organizations and ministries, discipleship ministries, publications and radio ministries. There's gender-specific ministries like men's and women's ministries. There's media ministries. There's television ministries, writing ministries. It's almost limitless the types of ministries that can be represented in Christianity. So that's what he's saying is there, there are differences of ministries. Not all ministries are the same. There isn't just one ministry that's acceptable, but God can be served in a myriad of different ways. So there are a multitude of ministries, but it's the same Lord. Jesus is the head, regardless of what type of ministry it is. 
there are differences even within a specific type of ministry. <laughs> you know, you have denominations, you have, uh, you know, various styles, you have all kinds of different ministries uh, that can happen. And so he's saying diversities of gifts, there are differences of ministries. Then number three in verse six, he says this, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all and all. Now watch this because here's where you see where he's beginning to go here is that now you have these diversities of gifts and you have diversities of differences of ministries and now you have differences of operations and here's what he's saying is that within a ministry a gift that is possessed by an individual Christian can operate differently from person to person or from ministry to ministry. If, if let's say you have, you know, these different types of ministries, you have a radio ministry, you have uh, a women's ministry, you have a writing, a blogging ministry, and a pulpit ministry. Well, you can have someone that has the gift of teaching in all four of those ministries but they're going to operate very differently. You can have someone who is a Sunday school teacher. They're going to operate their gift of teaching much differently than perhaps someone who is a pulpit teacher or a Bible school theologian or, you know, a professor in that regard. And so, you know, there are different operations for different gifts within the body of Christ. They're going to look different. Even... From pulpit to pulpit, you could say. I mean, look at Billy Graham. I mean, we've all probably seen uh, the old telecasts of the Billy Graham Crusades. And, you know, he was very dynamic. And he spoke with conviction and talked about controversy. And, you know, and, and all this kind of flair that Billy Graham had. But then you look at someone like, you know, Bobby Hargraves. <laughs> and it's a totally different operation. They're, they're not the same in the way that they communicate or the way that they, they share. You look at or hear Chuck Smith on the radio. And a man mightily used of God, yet when you listen to him, very almost monotone, speaks real slow, very distinct. Sometimes you think the radio's broken because the pause can go on for 20 seconds. And yet God uses it because there's differences of operations within the same gifts. And so you have differences of gifts from Christian to Christian. You have differences of ministries from place to place and from person to person. And then you have diversities of operations. And just like no two of us look identical, so also our gifts, our ministries, the way we're used of God is going to be different from person to person. That there are differences, but notice, it's the same Lord who's overall. It's the same spirit that's moving, and it's the same God. So it's all, he's the head, he's the Lord, but there are diversities. But now watch this, because there's one more distinction that's given to us in verse 7. Watch this. He says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. This is the first time he's giving a distinction without using the word different or diversity. In this one, it's the same. He says the manifestation is given to every 
man to profit with all. Now, that is what he speaks of next. It is the manifestation of the Spirit. Many have called the list that follows the gifts of the Spirit, the things that he talks about in verses 8 through 11. They're not the gifts of the Spirit. These are the manifestations of the Spirit. And notice what he says about them. He says that they are given to every man to profit with all. Now pay attention. If you've tuned me out or, you know, whatever, you're kind of just in the rut of my speech and you're not, listen carefully. Here's the point. This is what the Bible is, is teaching us here, is this. Is that regardless of what gift you have, according to Romans chapter 12, and regardless of what ministry you're a part of, whether it's in a church or a radio or a publication or a blog, no matter what, and no matter how your gift operates within those parameters, every man can have the things that he is going to list in verses 8 through 11. That that is not the gift, it's the manifestation. That is, it's how God shows up. There's a supernatural element in how God will use your gift in the way that he operates it through you in the ministry that he's called you to. See? And so the manifestation, these things cannot be owned. No one can say, well, my gift is that I have the gift of healing. Well, you know, no, you might have the manifestation of healing at some point when you pray for someone. God might use you in that way, but you can't own it because he divides it severally as he wills. Well, my gift is the word of wisdom. No, no, you can't claim the word of wisdom. God might give you a word of wisdom as you're serving him at the right time as you need it or as he wills, but you can't claim that. You always have the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. You can't do that. Because it's given to every man by God in the time that you're serving him with your gift. Now, what are these manifestations that he speaks of? Here's the list. Verse 8. He says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is simply at a moment that it's needed, God gives you the wisdom of how to handle a specific situation. Or maybe it's a, you know, a, a piece of wisdom that you give to someone else by way of counsel. And it's, it's, I remember one time my pastor back in Rochester, he was uh, on a mission trip in Africa and they did an evangelistic crusade. And many, many people came forward and they were praying with these people and talking to them after the fact. And there was a group of seven pastors and this one African uh, believer came forward and he, or, you know, he was not a believer, he was a new believer. He had just gotten saved and he said, I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he said, I have a very interesting predicament. He said, I'm a doctor and I travel around to different areas. And he said, I have a different wife in every area I travel to. <laughs> he said, I recognize right now that that's not right. So which one do I stay with? <laughs> and, all, and all the different pastors were like, uh, 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 and, and one of the pastors received a word of wisdom. He asked this guy, this new believer, he said, are any of your wives believers? And he said, yeah, one. That's the one. 
stay with her. It's a word of wisdom. What's the right answer to that? <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there is, you can't like say, well, Deuteronomy, there, there's no verse for that, you see? And so there, there's a time when there's a, a word of wisdom that's necessary. We may need it for our own lives. God could give you the word of wisdom in your workplace when you're facing a predicament that you just don't know what to do. Wisdom is simply just knowing what's the right thing to do. And so God can give you the word of wisdom. It's a manifestation of God's spirit in your life at a moment that you need it when you're serving. Whether it's at your job or whether it's with your wife and your kids or whether it's serving people in the name of Christ in a church or in a ministry of some sort, it's a word of wisdom. It's a manifestation of the spirit. God showing up, moving through your life. The next, he says, the word of knowledge. Very similar to the word of wisdom, only this isn't what to do. This is something that you would know. It's supernatural knowledge of something that you wouldn't otherwise know, that you couldn't otherwise know. You know, Jesus talking to a woman at the well. And I know Jesus kind of doesn't count because he knows everything, you know. But he's there with the woman at the well and he says, go call your husband here. And, and she says, I don't have a husband. He says, I know, you have five husbands. How did he know that? Well, he knew it because he's God. But <laughs> it's, the, it's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It's knowing something. It's so God just gives it to you and you just know that you know it. And you know it's from God and, and you can say it forth with, with confidence knowing that you know it. It's a word of knowledge. Sometimes God can give you the word of knowledge and you don't know that he gave you the word of knowledge. Because someone will, you'll say something, it happens to me all the time, all the time, after a service. How did you, have you been talking to my husband or my wife? No. <laughs> you were talking about me in the Bible study. You were, no, no, I don't know you. If God was talking to you, you know, you can take it up with him. I, I, I was just illustrating. I was not aiming it at you, you know. <laughs> I remember Chuck Smith one time was talking about uh, charlatan preachers scam artists and he talked about the 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 he said you know the guy the evangelist who goes to a third world country and he hands out candy to the children and the children come you know running for the candy and the and he snaps photographs of the children reaching for the candy and then he comes back to the states and he puts the pictures in his newsletter but with the caption look at the pictures of the children reaching out to receive the bibles that our ministry is providing for them and he's making this up. It's totally hypothetical. And he says, meanwhile, this guy's driving a brand new white Cadillac up over, you know, in a house overlooking the bluff, you know, in this whole thing. And he's just making up this story about these preachers that exploit. So he, you know, finishes his sermon. And about a week later, he gets a phone call at the office. They say, Pastor Chuck, there's so-and-so, Reverend whatever, on the phone. He's really angry and he wants to talk to you. And so he said, okay, put it through. He takes the call, and the guy says, I do have a valid ministry. <laughs> and he goes, well, who, I don't know who you are or what you're talking about. He said, yes, you do. You were talking about me in your sermon last week. I do. I'm the guy with the white Cadillac that lives on the bluff, and I do have a valid ministry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's the word of knowledge. Here's what it is. It's God showing up in your life, using you in a way that's supernatural. It's the manifestation, the unveiling of the Spirit of God through your life, the word of knowledge. Then he says, to another faith by the same spirit. This would be a manifestation of faith. Perhaps you've experienced this. It, it does happen to all of us from time to time, is that God will just 
give you a supernatural faith about something. You just know in your heart something's going to fall out a certain way. And you just believe it. It's a gift of faith. It's like, you know, he just somehow moves upon your heart and he just assures you that something's going to happen a certain way. You have total rest, total confidence, total peace, and, and sure enough, it, it comes to pass. And you wish you could, don't you wish you could make that happen in your life by yourself? You know, just have perfect faith all the time in every circumstance? <laughs> It'd be nice, right? <laughs> But, but there are times that God does give, he just assures your heart about something, you know. Uh, Jesus, great example. The, 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 he came, he saw a fig tree, it was fig season. He lifted up the leaf, he looked for a fig, there was no fig on it. He said, no man eat fruit from you forever. And he walked away. Two days later, they walk back and the tree is dried up, withered from the roots. And the disciples say, Lord, the tree that you, that you cursed, look at it, it's, it's dried up, it's shriveled. And, and Jesus chuckled a little bit and he said, hey, look, if you say anything, believing and not doubting, even to telling a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, if you believe and don't doubt, it will be done, what you said. It's, a, it's an example of what it's talking about here, this gift of faith, is that there's just something that you know, you know. And so it's faith, it's a manifestation. Then he says, to another, gifts of healing. By the same spirit. Now, the Bible says in the book of James that if anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for him. And it says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick, that if they do that. Now, why does God have him call for the elders of the church? I believe that because God will present a manifestation of healing but he'll do it through an unknown vessel oftentimes. Because if somebody, you know, if, if, let's say I pray for someone and they just recover right on the spot. The temptation in their heart is to look at me as some kind of a mediator, some kind of a priest, that I have some kind of special power, some special connection to God, and, and now, oh, I need this person. And God doesn't ever want anyone standing in his place. But yet God still does want to heal. And so that's the way that he's prescribed to do it. And God does still heal, even to this day. Does God always heal? No. Sometimes it's not his will. Sometimes his plan is bigger or he's doing something that, that we don't understand in a person's life. And, that, and, and the affliction or the sickness or the problem is a part of God's greater plan. And, and so he's not going to bend what he's doing or working in someone's life, you know, because, because we pray you know what I mean? So, does God heal? Yes. Does he always heal? No. But it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Should we ask God to heal? Absolutely. When there's something amiss, when something's wrong, yes, ask. Because he'll do it. He still can. He still does. He then says, to another, the working of miracles. A miracle is the breaking of natural law. The breaking of natural law. Jesus walking on the water is a miracle. Healing a man with a withered hand. Restoring sight to the blind. I mean, they, they kind of fall under healing too, you know, but it's miraculous. Uh, you know, countless examples in the Bible where, where Jesus does the miraculous. You know, putting the servant's ear back on when Peter cut it off there in the garden. You know, 
you know, the, the, the miraculous. God can violate natural law. And so we should never shortchange God by saying, well, he can't do these things or he never works. Parting the Red Sea, that's miraculous, you know. And we serve a miracle-working God. And so we should believe in these things that he said. Now, we don't live for these things, but we believe them. Miracles do not produce faith. If you were to see a miracle, or if a person sees a miracle, it does not produce faith in their life. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When God spoke from Mount Sinai and he gave the law, he says to the people, you saw no image, you saw not, you heard my word. See, and the word of God always produces faith. Much more to say on that, we've got to move on. He says to another, prophecy. Now when it's speaking of prophecy here, it's speaking of, you know, speaking forth something that is yet to come. In the book of Acts, they took Paul's belt a man named Agabus, and he tied himself up with it, and he says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall it be done to the man who owns this belt. And he was speaking of Paul, and sure enough, it happened even as he said. You know? and, and so there are times when a person can speak forth something by the Spirit of God that is yet to come that will happen, and God will show up in it. There, there's a manifestation of, of the Spirit there. And then he says to another, the discerning of spirits. That's simply to be able to discern the source or the spirit that's behind something that's happening in a particular place or in a meeting or the agenda and motives behind something someone is doing or saying. It's to discern the source. Is this from God or is this not? Is this the flesh? Is this ambition? It can come from a million places and to be able to discern it is a gift from God that he'll give at a moment, you know. And then he says, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. It speaks of the gift of tongues. And I don't think we're going to have time. I, I was hoping to get into chapter 14 a little bit because chapter 14 answers every question you could, you could ask about the gift of tongues. Usually when you say any questions at the end of something like this, everybody goes, ah, yeah, um, tongues. You know, let's talk about, you know, but there are answers you know, in the Bible that the Bible talks about it. It's definitely by far the strangest, you know, the most, uh, I would say, unnatural or the most uh, confusing in our intellect at least. It, it completely violates any part of our intellect which the Bible says that, that it does, uh, that it that it's, um, circumvents our understanding, you know, our rationale, our intellect, you know. And so, you know, it's the easiest one to just say, I don't want to deal with that because I can't understand it, you know. Uh, and that's what happens. Read chapter 14. But yet the, the Bible talks about it. It's there. Paul said, I speak with tongues all the time. And he says, my understanding is unfruitful. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I do it. I don't get it. We don't get it. It's a, it makes the check engine light go on, you know. And then he says, then, to another, the interpretation of tongues, which is, uh, you know, to be able to understand what's being said by the Spirit of God and to be able to speak it forth in the language of a man's understanding. Now, since we're on the topic and we don't have time to get into 14, let me just say this about tongues. And this is what you can read in chapter 14 and discover for yourself is that when someone speaks in tongues, 
They are not speaking to men. They are speaking to God. So when you hear on Christian TV, or if you're ever in one of those services, God bless you, you know, where everybody's doing this, and someone stands up and goes, you know, I bought a Honda, I should have bought a Hyundai. I bought a Honda, I should have bought a Hyundai. You know, and they start speaking in tongues and, you know, and whatever. And then someone stands up in the back and goes like this, Thus saith the Lord, I am angry with my people because they have turned from me. And this whole thing. You can say within yourself, well, I don't know what they said, but I know they didn't say that. <laughs> because, because the Bible says that when a person speaks in tongues, they're praying. It's a prayer language or they're praising. If, if, you, if a person speaks in it's it's something that God gives when we don't know how to pray the way we want or we don't know how to praise. You, 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 you ever have that? I do. <laughs> it's amazing. You'd be amazed the things that are going on in the lives of the people in this church. The amount of names on my prayer list. And, and I say to my wife, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for, for these things. You know, and that's the purpose of it, is you don't know how to pray sometimes as you are. There's times when you're so overwhelmed and in awe of God and who he is and what he's done that there, there's, there's no, how do you praise a God, the God that we serve? And so God has given a way to do that. That's what tongues is about. It's, it's, it's a prayer language. It's private. Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all, but yet you never, ever in the Bible, ever read about Paul doing it publicly, ever throughout the whole book of Acts. In fact, the only time in the Bible you ever hear people speak in tongues publicly is the first time they speak in tongues when, they, when God comes upon them. After that, you never read it again. Because it's personal, it's intimate, it's prayer language, it's for the closet, you see. So you could read chapter 14 on your own. He says, but all these, verse 11, worketh that one and selfsame spirit, he says, listen, dividing to every man severally or liberally as he wills. So anyone that is a Christian can experience any one of these things. And God will give it liberally, but as he wills according to his, his purpose, his plan, or according to the gifts that he's given you. I know that I, my gift is that I'm a teacher. That's what God's just given me. That's, you know, with some other things. And so for me, the, the manifestation of the Spirit that I could say, well, these are the things I'm most familiar with would be the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, you know, th- those types of things, because that's what I need. You know, sometimes you're in a service and you're talking to 50 people, and someone in the service needs to hear something, and God put, put something, a, a story or an illustration or a cross-reference that you didn't prepare, you, you never even thought of, but it pops in your head while you're sharing. And you say, oh, it's like what Moses said to Miriam. And, and you know, you, you say the verse, and someone in the thing is going, oh, God, you know it, I need it. You know, I often read a psalm on Wednesday nights when I open up the, the service. I'll just, and I don't, I don't really plan that too much. You know, you know, maybe during worship or something, I'll just like look and, you know, and, and I'll just re- say, you know, that, that's powerful, you know, and I'll get up and I'll read it. You know, just a week ago, I read Psalm 121. And after the service, someone came up to me and they were just like, I, I could have left after your opening psalm because God's been speaking that to me for a week and a half. And, and you got up and you read Psalm 121, you know. 
I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> but, but yet God does that, you see. For someone who's an evangelist, that their gift is evangelism, you know, for them, maybe a gift of healing, a gift of miracles, that's more fitting. Because, you know, they're in a third world country. There isn't a Bible on every shelf in every house, you know. And the word of God is foreign in that land. And someone's preaching this gospel that they've never heard. And then they see the, 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 the crippled guy that's been in their town for years healed. Or the guy that was, you know, insane in his right mind. And then they hear, they, 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 they equate the message of the gospel with what they saw happen in someone's life and they get saved. And so God uses these things to minister to people. It isn't about making, making ourselves look good in the eyes of people. It isn't about, you know, us demonstrating, you know, showing off our fine china in the spirit. It's about God touching and changing lives. And so that's why and when God shows up. It's not for our benefit. It's for others. And when we yield our lives into his service and we allow him to use us and we walk in obedience to what he's leading us to do, we get the privilege of seeing God show up. He's manifested. And so that's what Paul is describing here. And then he goes on, and we, won't, we don't have time, but you can read on your own verses 12 through 31, talking about how you know, the church is a body. And that we're not the same. We're different parts of it. We have different gifts, different callings. Not everybody experiences all of these things, but God uses each one of us. So, questions? Read it out loud. Of all the things that we say, we say love, we say kindness, we say all the old stuff, right? Um, it says that we are given human nature that we have our contradictions. We have multiple different parts. One of the things it says is that we need to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe is condemned. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then I thought that was a whole statement. And I think that Paul and you should get off of here tonight. We all got crazy saved and then we just blow off the rest of the stuff and just keep on going. Yeah. Nonetheless, whatever comes to you, whether it be bad fruit, like you love your fruit, you love this, you love that, you love the other, you don't care. You know, you're with it. You know, you're with it. Don't get stuck in that. Yes, and, and, and the key thing in that verse is that it says these signs will follow those that believe. He doesn't say believers will follow these signs, you know, and, and that's, that's what you get. You get people like following the snake. Oh, watch, we're going to bite the heads off snakes. You know, no, 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 these things will follow. You go and preach, these things will follow, you know. Yes, good stuff.
We're going to say Vin.